Hey, this is Sebastian from the Metal Gods Meltdown, and I'm joined by... Hard from Stormzone, Seb. Great to be here talking to you. It's an absolute honour to be chatting to you today. Stormzone returned with Lucifer's Factory on April the 23rd. Can you give us a bit of insight into the ideas and themes on the latest album? Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an, an evolution for the band, Seb. Um, album number six. Um, we've, um, we've concentrated on um, some interesting subjects in the past, so we had to come up with something really special this time. And uh, we decided that um, we were going to concentrate on the myths and legends that, uh, that are, are surrounding us here in, uh, in Northern Ireland, our, our homeland. Um, and we grew up with them, um, we've lived with them for all our lives, and they're, a lot of them are pretty um, are not the most popular myths and legends that everyone in the world knows about with regards to Ireland as a whole. Um, and so it was, uh, it was quite important for us to try to, um, to, to, to express uh, just how, how important they are to us, you know, through the songs. So uh, the, the whole album's based on uh, individual myths and legends of, of Northern Ireland. The album itself boasts 13 amazing songs and I think some of the best the band have ever produced over the years. But what tracks are you particularly proud of today? I think, uh, well, obviously I'm pr proud of them all, but uh, so songs like um, Albert Pack, the, uh, the fourth song on the, on the album, you know, is, um, it's just a, a killer driving power metal um, anthem. Um, there's Broken Windows, which allows, you, uh, allows us to um, talk about, you know, dark, you know, very dark subjects, but, but in a very enlightening way. Uh, we are strong, obviously, um, is as much a reflection on uh, the attitude within the band as much as it is to talk about um, the, the Viking invasions of, of Ireland in the past. And really, really them all, Seb, I'm, 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 this time um, I think you've nailed it. You know, it's, uh, I, I personally think that it's, it's the best Stormzone album so far. Um, and there's uh, 13 tracks on the album that um, I'm very proud of each and every one of them. We Are Strong is going to be so amazing live, the song really gives me goosebumps. Is it going to be easy to choose a set list because obviously you've got six albums to choose from now? Yeah, normally uh, I mean, we're playing, uh, we're playing uh, on Thursday in uh, the Empire uh, Music Hall in Belfast. Uh, I think for the first time um, we're sort of saying, you know, let's drop a lot of the older material and bring in more, more of the, the newer material. So we're doing, we're doing six brand new songs um, on, on Thursday night. And it's, it's actually, a, it's, it's an easier um, set list actually to put together because, um, you know, we're, we're so in tune with the, uh, with the new material that it's so familiar in our heads that we just want, you know, we, we really want to play the whole album. But uh, we're we're getting to play six songs, and it's it's uh, probably the most difficult thing is is probably saying goodbye um, to um, some of the more familiar songs from previous albums. But um, maybe maybe at at some stage, you know, we, we might be able to get on tour and play a much longer set and not have to drop anything. You know, just basically <laughs> just play a, a marathon two hours of uh, of Storms on material. Uh, which in the past, by the way, may not have included so many uh, songs because we were we we did used to write pretty long songs, but with uh, with uh, Lucifer's Factory, I think we kept things a lot sharper, a lot more in the editing um, side of things, made them snappier, um, straight into some some songs, uh, quicker to the choruses. Um, so I, I think basically because we're so happy with the album, you know, we just want to play far more of the songs. 
um, in the live set. It's, it's a beautiful venue we're playing in on Thursday as well, the Empire Music Hall. It's a it's a, an old uh, an old theatre, so um, it's still got the um, the paraphernalia of the the, the, the old theatre in it, the, the old stage, the old um, dance hall days um, type of thing. It's gonna it's it's gonna uh, uh, lend itself to us to um to basically um you know to, to perform you know um to our to our maximum. So we're really looking forward to it. And of course, we're sorry that you can't be there, Seb. But we'll, we'll hopefully make our way to you in the, in the, the not-too-distant future. I definitely want to get back to Ireland. I mean, we, we just, be, before she got the cancer diagnosis four or five years ago, we went over. It was fantastic. We went to Belfast Zoo. We stayed at Carnlough. Carnlough, yes. Yeah, it's beautiful. A lovely part of the world. It is, man. The butchers don't open until 11 or when they want to open. It's mental over there. The shops are like, I will open when we feel like opening. <laughs> It's crazy. Yes, uh, it's, a, it's a different world over here. Love absolutely. it. Especially as you make your way more up, um, more more up the coast towards those um, more uh, more secluded little areas. We did. Just, yeah. Uh, the, the, their own rules and regulations. Mental. It's an amazing place. Right. I think Carnlock or one one of those one of those um, villages up there. I think Brandon Rogers, the um, the the Celtic manager, is from. From that time, I think he is anyway. Yeah, yeah. We, we came over to see Ricky Warwick who's doing a solo, the Rock Bar, the Diamond Rock Bar, and yeah. like Alison was a huge fan of his as well, so we just came over to see him as well. It was awesome. Yeah, it was just an amazing week we had there. Absolutely, at uh, this world, I want to come back. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, but I think that's the, um, the 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 great thing about coming here is it's it's not not just. I mean, you're from the Newcastle um, area. Yeah. Of, and, and I think that that's um, uh, we we sort of associate ourselves a, a lot with, um, with with Northern England because we're sort of the same sort of people, you know, very welcoming and um, very very warm, you know, to to mm. visitors um, who make their way here. Uh, I think, I mean, what we had our troubles, you know, yeah. in, in the past, which uh, put a lot of people off, um, ju uh, justifiably so. Um, whenever there were bad times here but I think people who did make their way here you know discovered wow you know it's nothing to do with the people actually that this is all going on you know this is some stupid situation that's um you know potentially driving people apart but no we are we're very welcoming and you know uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that Alison got uh, a chance to come over and, and experience the place because she was a beautiful person herself. She, uh, she, she, she deserved to be surrounded by great people. And I think um, anytime you go to the Diamond Rock Club, you're always going to be made very, very welcome. Oh, totally. The two Irish lasses were rubbing me tattoos and they were going, oh, look at these tattoos and everything. I'm like, my God. You're mad. It was fucking hilarious, and I was getting bought drinks and all sorts. It's, it's <laughs> insane, people. It was great. Loved it.
Yeah. In fact, a lot of the places that um, that you have, you've visited um, are quite sort of pertinent to the subject of the of the new album. The album is basically a, a, a tourist guide, as such, you know, or um, a you know a, a tourist guide with a difference. But um, and once people become aware of um, of these different places and they can maybe um, relate to them through the songs, you know, it may well um, sort of encourage them to come and visit a little more. Tell me about the filming for Dark Hedges. Yeah, that was um, that, that was the second video that we did, which was um, shot by uh, the director Jim Crone. We filmed it in a, a, a magnificent big place called the Brick Room in uh, the the Mill, which is in a place just outside uh, Ballyclare here in Northern Ireland. And uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the the TV series, the Frankenstein Chronicles. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was actually shot in the Mill um, in the Brick Room. Um, so we were surrounded by a lot of them. There was there were hangman's nooses and all sorts of <laughs> places where Frankenstein was created. Um, so it gives you the feel of um, you know a, a, a right away of the atmosphere of the whole thing, which tends to encourage you to perform. Um, and we also were very fortunate um, with uh, another rainy night and with dark hedges to have had. Uh, some of the, the Game of Thrones uh, technical crew helping us as well, makeup, um, costumes, and assistance. You know, so I mean, we had all the ingredients there for for the video, but uh, becoming um, you know a, a, a very professional looking thing. You know, and I think well, I think it came across. I mean, the song Dark Hedges is about the dark hedges, which features in Game of Thrones, and that's basically a. You know, a, a group of um, unusual trees. Uh, so we're singing the song "Dark Hedges" in a in a, a mill, which is far away from you know the, the actual location that it was about. Mm-hmm. But I think um, whenever you know the song and the impressiveness of the the environment, you know, you, you tend to forget that that's that's what it what it is, and you just take it. Um, you know, as a, a great song with a great video, and I hope that's the way it's perceived. Anyway, it's a real joy. Um, it was a joy to make it, and we're looking forward to doing the next one. Can you tell us about the next video then, or is that a secret? No, no, it's not. It's not too secret. I mean, we're going to do several from from the album. The, the next one that we're doing, we're intending to do for the song Cushy Glen. Well, the reason for that is because we want to sort of um, por- portray a lot of um, the camaraderie within the band. Um, because we do, uh, you know, well, I'm not just saying it, we do love each other, you know, we're a, a, a really tight bunch of guys, and there's a lot of big gang um, sing, singing, sing-along parts in Cushy Glen, which um, can be sort of, you know, featured in, in the video, and it's also at the same time, it's got a very Celtic feel to it, um, we we'll, we'll wanted to put that across in, uh, in at least one of the songs, but, uh, but don't worry, Seb, we're, we're, we're going to be doing plenty, so you know, definitely we, we are strong in the, in the picture future one, um, as are several others. But the next, the next one um, we're hoping is going to be um, the Cushy Glen. Can you tell us about the last goodbye and the final song, Times Ago? Can you give us a bit of insight into those two songs? Well, uh, the, the, la- the last goodbye... Um, there's there are all, always double meanings to this song. So I mean, if you've got myths and legends going on all the way through, 
but I, I don't want to sort of drive that home to people who maybe aren't uh, maybe not are not particularly interested in them so I try to form the songs in the, uh, a way that you can get out of it whatever you you, you really want and the last goodbye is is um, is basically uh, about me saying goodbye to Spain you know where I've lived for mm-hmm. for uh, so many years and having to, um, to to come back to Northern Ireland but um, at the same time as uh, t- time to go is all is also about that. It's um, it's sort of uh, you know, it's, it's basically about saying, saying goodbye to one, you know, one one part of your life through some unfortunate circumstance or whatever happens, and having to embrace a, a, a new a new one. And I, I think you know, it's it's relevant to people that the you know that they really should do that. I mean, having said that, it's harder to do. I mean, you've got your own circumstances to deal with, Seb. Mm. Hard, you know, for the, for people to turn around and say, you know, you gotta let that go, you gotta move on. Yeah. But it's, it's so difficult to do it, you know, and and uh, it's so easy to say it and so difficult to execute. That's that's, um, that's the wonderful wonderful thing about music, though, isn't there? You can put your own perception on a song like "We Are Strong." I I I take that for me because people keep telling me how strong I am, and exactly. that make you know. So it, it it is it's your perception of what the song means. Yeah. Absolutely, because the, the the myths and legends um, aspect of the song is, or to, of the songs, are, are the, the 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 sort of instantly recognisable side of it. Because that's what you know, all bands should have some form of a theme, you know, especially a heavy metal band. But absolutely, if you if you look and you listen to those songs and you hear something that's got nothing to do whatsoever with the original subject matter. But it has got something relevant to you, and it helps you. Then that's the the absolute and utter, um, uh, you know, evolution that have, that have been trying to achieve. And I'm glad that you're getting that sort of thing out of it. Totally. Because um, that's that's what the intention was. Brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And talking of brilliant, I understand you did the artwork as well for the album. What does that represent for you? It, it, well, there's it's a sort of a three pronged um, attack with the album cover because. Uh, it's, uh, uh, first of all, I wanted to um, to portray a feeling of depth, where you're looking at the album cover, but having to go deep and deeper and deeper and deeper inside it, um, which is basically um, representing um, what 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 I think people should be doing with the band, you know, for the see the album cover and to want to find out more about Stormzone. That fu- fundamentally, the actual Devil's Gate, as, as such that it is, is um, it actually exists. In one of the places that you were, because um, the Diamond Rock Club mm-hmm. is uh, only a few miles away from uh, the Dermot Mound, which um, is supposed to be a gateway to hell, and that's where Lucifer was supposed to have fallen from heaven and uh, and, and actually, you know, entered <laughs> entered yeah. Earth's atmosphere as such. Um, but uh, thir- thirdly, uh, the obviously the songs are all created from the band playing music, um, myself coming up with lyrics, but to, to, to um, heavy metal listeners, they're not sort of just as interested in um, you know, the reality of the whole thing with people sitting playing guitars and singing and writing down lyrics, and I try to portray um, the, the theme of Lucifer's Factory as um, a real place where you know the songs are actually created, and it's, it's sort of just to perk up people's imagination which um, I think is one, one thing about heavy metal and heavy rock 
that, uh, that I absolutely adore as opposed to other um, genres of music that you really can open up your mind to um, all sorts of worlds. You know, it, it's, a, it's a much more colourful place than sitting listening to country and western and yeah. uh, pop and rap and whatever. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's something I'm very proud, proud to be part of. I love folklore myself and I've seen many strange things myself growing up on Dartmoor and places I've actually worked. Can you tell me if you've had any personal experiences from the actual songs on Lucifer's Factory? Thankfully some of the uh, some of the songs have taken place quite far away because I, I wouldn't like to, um, <laughs> to actually be close to, to where some of these places are. But yeah, um, I, I lived I, I lived in right, right beside Lucifer's Factory because right. Lucifer's Factory did actually exist. It's not a, a figment of anyone's imagination. Lucifer's Factory was originally um, called Lucifer's Match Factory. Uh -huh. um, it was a, a building um, in Belfast that, um, that I lived close to. Um, it was demolished by the time I lived there, but um, just previous to that, uh, it made matches. That's what it was for in, in the Victorian times because um, obviously there were no such thing as letters or whatever. The, uh, they used to employ um, pretty underage workers, probably exploiting um, things at the time. And some of the children, unfortunately, were trapped in the building one night when it caught fire, which was probably no surprise with sulfur and dry wood all over the place. The factory burned down, and those th those th three of the children were, were killed, along with uh, the, the foreman's daughter. The... The neighbours for years and years afterwards would have heard screams, you know, coming from the actual factory itself. Years after this fire, and they they, they blessed it, and then they demolished it, and that's whenever the houses were built. That which was where I, I then moved into one of the houses. But say this is um, next year, just talking about maybe I lived there about 20, 25 years ago, and this is like a hundred years after the place was demolished, uh -huh. and I still heard the screams at night, unbelievably. I mean, some people say, well, it's kids messing around, but like this is three o'clock in the morning, you mm -hmm. know, and you're hearing, you know, the cries of children. Some people say maybe that's, that, that could be cats. Yeah. This would be, this, you know, I've got children, you know, <laughs> I know the difference between the sound of a child crying and a cat, you know, totally. sex. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, um, I experienced that. Um, it was very, very paranormal. I mean, um, it, it can't be explained. People turn around and try to, to, to pass it off, but I think that's just to try and you know, make life easier, you know. But, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it, that really, really, really happened. It was really unsettling. Um, and I ended up moving away from the place. But I, I do believe that the people who, who remain there still still hear, hear the cries of the children that, that, that were killed in Lucifer's match factory. So it's uns, quite unsettling. I mean, I was going to say to you, like, as kids, did you ever stay at places like the road where Cushy Glen robbed and killed his victims? See, when I was growing up, we used to do these sort of things. We used to camp out on the moors. You know, with the hairy hands. <laughs> did you ever do stuff like that? I, I did. Um, we went we went along to. It wasn't to where Cushy Glen was, but it was to the uh, the area where um, the the gateway to hell was, just outside Ballymena. There was myself and a friend and two girls. Um, we were in a little, uh, a, like a transit van 
type thing. Like this is going back a long time. So I mean, there was nothing in the van. Uh, so we were, <laughs> we decided we would drive somewhere pretty um, excluded so that we could have fun with the guard. And uh, uh, you know, it was my turn in the van with the guard, and you know, closed the van. And uh, my, my friend and his 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 girlfriend walked off. You know, into the distance, and this is. I mean, we will have parked right beside this this dark the, the mound where where the, the gateway to hell was. And the next minute, the van started shaking, <laughs> and it was as if the, there were things being thrown at the side of the van. And I, I was going, you know, my, my friend was called Joe, and I was saying, "Wow, Joe, you know, you can't give me peace, you know, to have time with my girlfriend. You know, you I give you time with yours, sort of thing." And I opened up the door. And Joe and his girlfriend were about uh, 500 meters up the road, over to be, you know, nowhere near the van. Um, and I mean, the, the thing was that I mean, it was absolutely real. You know, I could feel the van moving from side to side, and it was nothing to do with what I was actually intended to do myself. So <laughs> I, can't, I can't put it down to that. But yeah, I mean, it's, um, that, that was that was unsettling as well. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, with all these things happening, you know, and, and experiencing things like that, it was, uh, it was, it was probably no surprise that at some stage I was going to be, um, you know, going to be writing songs about them. For anyone that's unfamiliar with Storm Zone, which two tracks would you play me from the new album to introduce me to you guys? Absolutely, uh, I would. My goodness, I mean, there's there's so, so many to choose from. I think I would uh, just a second, Seb. Do you think of it? Right. You, you put me on the spot now. Right. <laughs> uh, I think the heaven you despise, the heaven you despise. I think that's we've decided that that's going to be our our um, our second track, mm-hmm. and I think also uh, uh, pro- probably the track that we did the the, uh, the video for Dark Hedges, because I think both of those songs probably represent the uh, the evolution in the band. Does 2018 hold in store for Storm Zone? Oh, well, we've got new management. Um, we've got uh, new management from, from Germany uh, who are be- beginning to um, to begin to put a game plan together for the band. We've got a good PR company looking after us against PR. Uh, we've got Jess Cox. Uh, Jess Cox was, um, was is a legend, you know, who sang with uh, Tigers of Pantang. Mm-hmm. And he's he's our record company boss, um, so we've got we've got quite a good group of people looking after us. So obviously we'll, we're going to get the album released on the twenty third of April, and then we're going to be doing some um, some some shows here in the UK, and then we're going over to Spain. Things more or less all began for us to say thank you to them, mm-hmm. and we're doing four uh, four shows over there. Uh, and then from from then on, all we want to do really is uh, to continue. I think Eddie's going to be putting together um, a European tour for us in October. So by the end of the year, I think everyone, uh, well, not everyone, obviously, but a lot of people are going to find Storm Zone maybe for the first time or maybe have known about the band for a while and are going to see them for the first time. For us, that's what 2018 holds, just a matter of, our um, our best opportunity yet for us. We've been together for twelve years, and it's our best opportunity yet to, to get out and uh, and play uh, the most shows that we've ever put together in the one year. We've kind of always sort of um, with Europe um, over across in Europe. We've 
we've, we've been fortunate enough to have played, you know, at some of the big big festivals over there, Vakken and Sweden, mm. Headbangers Open Air. Um, but we haven't uh, we haven't actually put together other than in Spain, you know, put together an actual series of um, of, of dates, you know, for two three weeks at a time. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing this time. So it's, it's new for us and we're really looking forward to it. You guys have played with some amazing bands already in your 12 years, including Tesla and Sebastian Bach. Which shows would you say stand out the most for you and why? They, they all, they've all been brilliant. Uh, Tesla was, was, was exceptional. Um, in fact, at the, uh, the Newcastle show where, where we met you and, and the gorgeous Allison, that, that one of the... the superb things that happened was that when we were coming off stage the Tesla guys were lined up in the um in the backstage area ready to go on. Um but back then um you know that we didn't really sort of have the a luxury of, of road crew as such, you know, we just basically had to get the gear off ourselves in preparation for them going on. And they had they just said, Whoa, 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 what are you guys doing? And we're going, Well we're taking the gear off because we've got to get this area cleared and they said, Man We've been looking for this opportunity for so long, and the Tesla guys actually lifted our back line, carried it outside, and packed our van for us. <laughs> you know, and they really enjoyed sort of trying to work out the jigsaw puzzle of where everything went in the van, and yeah. um, you know, it sort of took them back to their roots. And I mean, that was humbling for us because I mean, we we realised that these guys are, are legends, and yet they're still you know they're still human beings. Are, you know, prepared to um, you know to, to help help out you know with the smaller bands as such. So that that was definitely a, a a very a very enlightening experience, very enjoyable one. Sebastian, for you know, the thing is, the funny thing about that is, for all the bad things that were supposed to have happened as a result of of the the incident as such and being kicked off the tour, the shows that we actually did with them were were great. You know, really loved them. Up until that point, See, actually seeing him perform on stage, I mean, the, the guy's just a, an absolute genius of stagecraft. No, I mean, we've, we've toured with um, with Wan T, um, again, you know, another great bunch of guys, and Saxon, and what, what you tend to, uh, to do um, and get from those tours is not just, uh, you know, the experience of the touring, but the bands tend to influence you as well. You, know, you get to see them every night and at close quarters. You see how they operate. You see how they play. You know, maybe some months afterwards, when you're actually sitting uh, and writing new material for an album, you discover that some of that, you know, influence has has come into has crept into your actually approach to the songwriting. So it's great, and uh, it, it definitely does. I mean, it, it gives it, it gives you the experience, and then you can hopefully then pass that experience on to to the the bands that you end up um, having as supporting you you know at a, at a smaller level you know so that that's important to us as well you know for, for to give people a hands up as much as we can metal albums would you play to introduce to someone that's never listened to heavy metal before oh wow um i think definitely um power slave iron, iron maiden that would be a an absolute cracker for um for anyone that's that wanted to um, experience the uh, the intensity and the the, the excitement of, of discovering you know heavy metal for the first time. Just that the Iron Maiden Power Slave, um, so and then uh, pro probably one that's it's got nothing to do with Storm Zone. It doesn't sound like Storm Zone at all, but 
just if you want a, an, an album that just epitomizes um, heavy metal for me, it's uh, it's Motorhead's Ace of Spades. You just put that in the car, and you can just play it on repeat, you know, for hours and hours and hours. On, uh, you know, I mean, there there are so many of them. I mean, even more, um, more recent ones like Judas Priest, Painkiller, back to their um, British Steel days. Um, even Dio, going back to Dio Rising. Um, mm-hmm. There, there's so many that uh, that it's it's difficult to just pick two. Yeah. But uh, um, and plus, I mean, uh, Operation Mindcrime, Queensrÿche. You know, it's from an American perspective because all the bands that I've sort of mentioned have had more of a British feel to them. Halloween. Grave digger, you know, they're just too many. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think after this, I'm going to start to, uh, I'm going to probably play them all and repeat. Exactly. <laughs> okay, and so can you remember the first time you ever played live and how it felt to have people watching you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember supporting a band in a, a place over here called The Pound, The Pound Club. Um, I was in a band called Cairo Flame, it was the, my very first band. Uh, I, I made this the stupid mistake of um, having watched uh, David Coverdale um, play just a, I think a month before, and I thought it would probably be a good idea to put on a pair of leg warmers or something. You know, uh, <laughs> my, my stagecraft was very primitive in those days, but um, I, I do. I mean, I, I remember um, playing um, because of the the novelty of, of the the actual place itself, seeing a, a brand new you know young band as such. We, we were treated very well. Um, and I remember feeling such a sense of pride afterwards. But the, the funny thing is, is that, I mean, there were maybe 60 or 70 people at the club. Um, but the next day, you know, when I'm, I was walking around my own neighborhood, where not one single person, you know, had been at that show, I was walking around with my chest out, you know, feeling like I was on top of the world and hoping that someone would turn around and say, great show last night, you know, and, or yeah. whatever. I mean, no, no one was ever going to do it, but you just felt as if, you know, you, that the whole world had just witnessed your your first performance, you know. Um, and I guess that gets into your blood at a very young age, um, and that's the reason why probably all these years later, you know, I, I still get that buzz from it. You know, and I, I think I'll probably have it until <laughs> I'm, I'm, whenever I'm gone, you know, yeah. in the afterlife, I'm still I'm still going to be into heavy metal. My, my, my first show, Pound Club, Carol Flames, a little little support band, and that's uh, that's the reason why you just you, you just become addicted to it, and then there's no way that you're ever going to get it out of your system. What's the most memorable concert you've ever been to, other than your own, and why? Probably whenever I, I mean I, I, I was fortunate enough. I mean I'm, I'm at a certain age, Seb, which I'm hoping um, you won't give away here, <laughs> but. I do remember, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to um, have seen Metallica with Cliff Burton, but going back further than that, I've seen ACDC with Bon Scott. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, then uh, Thin Lizzy um, in, the, in the early days with, when Brian Robertson was in the band with Scott Gorham. But I think they were, they were probably memorable, but the most memorable gig that I've ever been to was uh, when Motorhead played in a place called Maysfield Leisure Centre and it was basically uh, four walls and the, uh, the the famous bomber at the time couldn't be put across the top of the stage where they used to have it mm-hmm. so they decided that they would put it um, just above the audience's head 
and for most of the show, um, no one really even noticed because it was basically a light show, you know, more than anything. Yeah. But of course, they played Bomber at the end of the set, and the hydraulics kicked in, and the Bomber started to lower, and I happened to be on the shoulders of my good friend, Eddie Gregg, at the time, and I jumped up <laughs> onto his shoulders and jumped onto the Bomber. <laughs> Awesome. And was suspended <laughs> in midair from uh, from Motorhead's bomber uh, while they played bomber, and that was uh, while I'm looking around and seeing uh, security men coming you know, towards me like velociraptors through the undergrowth in Jurassic Park. It was, yeah. me. So I had to, when when the bomber lowered enough for me to feel that it was safe enough to do so, um, I dropped and. The, crowd sort of crowd surfed me away to uh, the safety <laughs> yeah I think there might be a, a photograph of that in one of the the local Belfast papers at the time but so yeah awesome. that's, um, that's, that's pro- probably um, memorable for a, a reason that you probably weren't expecting <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> Tell us why we should buy Lucifer's Factory. If you like the, the idea of experiencing heavy metal as it was done in the classic times, uh, I'm not talking about Victorian times, but I'm talking about the, the, during those new wave of British heavy metal days when there was, it, it was the, the, before that there was only Black Sabbath, there was only Deep Purple, not only, I mean, they, they were amazing and, and legendary, but that was uh, what people had in their heads as uh, what heavy metal was and then the new wave of British heavy metal came along and it exploded and then for a long time after that um, it became a wee bit of more of an underground thing and what, what we have tried to do with Lucifer's Factory is to sort of p- portray that feeling of excitement as if you've just discovered heavy metal for the first time um, and and you said it um, earlier on you know what, what heavy metal bands or heavy metal albums, would you recommend to people who have not um, who have not uh, experienced heavy metal at all? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, I've, I've mentioned the famous albums, but I would definitely say that Lucifer's Factory is a um, is a, a, a very very nice um, introduction to um, hopefully what heavy metal is all about. There's driving rhythms, there's big driving drums, hopefully big vocals, and you know things that are hopefully going to excite people from the moment that they put the CD in until the last song and basically they want to sort of say, oh wow, that was great, and, uh, and play it over again. So, I mean, we really we want them to, uh, we also want people to have some form of an escape from the mentality of, uh, of day-to-day life for the hour or so of, um, of Lucifer's Factory. Uh, it's they're, they're, they're getting an opportunity to, um, to do so. And hopefully get get as much enjoyment out of the, the album as uh, as we had in recording it. Four words to describe Storm Zone. Ambitious, hardworking. If you put a, a hyphen in, <laughs> in that, determined, and experimental probably as well. Because uh, at the end of the day, what we try to do is to try to make each album different from the one that we've done previously. So we've released six albums. And I think if you played six the six albums in a row, you would actually discover that each one is a, a little evolution from the one before. 
So I think there was a big determination with, for example, Three Kings who didn't want it to sound like Death Dealer and then, you know, didn't want Sierra uh, Reyes to sound. It was just the, for, for each album to have a, um, a sort of a, uh, an evolution is probably the, a word. If we could have five words, e- evolution. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. Um, and with, uh, with the, the great thing about um, Lucifer's Factory is uh, I, I think we've found a formula that I, I think we've, we've always been looking for. So, I mean, obviously to do so, you do have to experiment with different things, you know, for to, to, to get to where you actually want to be. And I think with Lucifer's Factory, we've found that. Um, and it's going to be very difficult for us to try and to evolve further as <laughs> such because, I mean, I'm just wondering what, what we need to do to actually beat, you know, what, what we have achieved with Lucifer's Factory. But one thing's for sure, we will definitely experiment and we'll find a way to do so. Festival or small intimate gig? I have to say small intimate gig because it's what I'm more used to. Uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously, uh, festivals are brilliant, but... The uh, the reality of festivals sometimes isn't um, isn't as good as the uh, you know the, the sort of excitement that you have you know building up to it because you know um, bands at our level don't tend to get the um, the big stages as such you know so we end up in, on the smaller ones which are still brilliant you know because you, at Vacan for example we played on the on the uh, the wet stage which. It was remember there were three or four thousand people wow. <laughs> watching Storm Zone when we were playing um, in a in a small you know a small tent in comparison to what you know the other stages at Bakken. Um, but in a small club up close and personal, um, you can really sort of draw people into you far far easier and get them on your side a lot quicker. And yeah, the intimacy of the of the uh, the smaller club. Uh, uh, Definitely prefer that. Vinyl or digital? Oh, vinyl for sure. From the point of view that obviously with the vinyl comes the album cover, <laughs> yeah. and uh, as, as an artist uh, as well as a singer, you know, I, I like to see my work a little larger. Um, so if if, um, if there's the possibility of having Lucifer's Factory um, released on vinyl, I'm going to love having that in my hand and taking me back to the days when I had Strong Arm of the Law and and all the Iron Maiden albums and looking for the little secret things that were hidden that you yes. can't really um, find on a, um, you know, a, a CD-sized album cover. And digital does have its merits because obviously um, you know you can get your music out to far more far more people. But no, I think um, I think final because it's it's uh, it's probably more um, representative of where I am personally, especially with um, with me being up a. A slightly older persuasion for the rest of the guys. Uh, Guinness or lager? Oh, Guinness. Guinness, Guinness, Guinness. Every time. Totally. <laughs> Guinness, lager. That's, that's a water with bubbles. It is. <laughs> Guinness, Guinness, Guinness. Every, I, I, I can't emphasize enough here, Sebastian. Guinness. <laughs> okay. Right. Sam Hine or Christmas? Uh, yeah, definitely Halloween. Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. I was saying there. Some Ian, definitely for me. Plus, it's a lot less ex- expensive um, when you've got kids because Christmas is just it's just destroys you when you've got children. Yeah. Um, but, but also, there's everything to do with. Plus, the the, uh, the fact that we've actually just released the the album and the song Hallow's Eve is all about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, some Ian 
for me, obviously, is um, more relevant at the moment and definitely a more enjoyable time. All, all, the, all the crazy things happen then. True. Okay, final question then. Donald Trump or leprechauns? <laughs> they're both... They're both entertaining if you can see them. I think. I think the. Um, I think to, to actually find any sense in Donald Trump, you've got as much chance of finding a leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> but I gotta say that. Um, I mean, uh, it's he. He's here. He's he's part of um, our world at the moment, and it's it's definitely made it a, a, a more entertaining place to be. But I'm not so sure his policies are going to be. Uh, Remembered as being um, sort of world-changing for uh, for the for the good, shall shall we say? No. But uh, no, definitely. <laughs> See, Donald Trump. That's... I don't think the leprechauns are going to be able to build us a hotel when we're over um, doing our American tour. So we're relying on Trump for all that. Final words for your fans and our listeners. Absolutely, just um, keep the faith that you melt metal meltdown guys with uh, with Storm Zone. Um, everything that we do, we, we, we do it for you. We do it for ourselves because we enjoy doing it, but we do it for you because we know that, uh, that the, the fans and the listeners and the readers of, of Metal Meltdown are what, what's keeping heavy metal and rock alive in, in, in this day and age. It's, just, it's important to us um, for it to, to carry on because without us and without you, it's, it's not going to be around if some of these other genres of music have anything to, do, to go by. So... Let's uh, let, let's let's keep the faith and stand up and fight. This is Far from Storm Zone, and you're listening to the Metal Gods Meltdown.
to 